Um, well, and it has a magic sword, you know. So I thought mm. I thought the magic penis. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tried I'm to put a penis joke in there, but it just didn't quite work. <laughs> So he swings his magic phallus, and the arms just go falling off. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, and I'm the oldest. I'm James, and I'm the best. I'm Andrew, and I'm simply the best. We're, We're brothers. brothers. And this is Mormon Raised. A sibling podcast. Today's episode is called Mormons, the Original Pilgrims is we're going to talk about the first people to discover America. Mormonism is called Mormonism because of the Book of Mormon, written by Joseph Smith, and he called it an ancient history of the original inhabitants of America. That's right. It's a, he said that the people that wrote the book were the principal ancestors of the Native Americans. And this is what we were taught since little children. And a five, six, seven, eight. Book, Book of, of Mormon, Mormon stories that my teacher tells to me. me. All about the Lamanites from ancient history. Long ago their fathers came from far across, across the sea. Give this land if they live righteously. Also, you guys sang it wrong. It's all about the Lamanites. At least that's what I was taught growing up. Nope. Are about the Lamanites because every sentence needs a verb, James. I suppose. <laughs> but did you guys do the uh, did you guys do the little hand signs like when it was I can't sing that song without doing the hand motions. It's how I remember the words. And you did like little uh feathers with the two fingers yeah oh my gosh sorry that's maybe now considered racist that is really racist uh, we have to stop that so the book of mormon is an ancient record written on golden tablets at least according to joseph smith joseph's story is that an angel uh, came to him and told him where to dig in a hole and that in this hole he'd find these plates made out of gold so like think a book with leaflets and inscribed as a language of reformed Egyptian, and that is what Joseph Smith translated into the Book of Mormon. The Mormon Bible. So the Book of Mormon was written in gold. 200 pounds worth. That's how I write my journals these days. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start from the very beginning, a very good place to start. Once upon a time... In 600 BC, that means before there Christ. was, <laughs> yes, Andrew, it does. 600 years before Christ, there was a Jewish guy named Lehi, and he took his family out of Jerusalem and they built this giant boat and they traveled to the America. promised land. Yes, <laughs> in search of liberty, and because you know, God told them to. And, you know, it was God who showed them how to build an ocean crossing boat in 600 BC. Which is uh, 2,000 years before the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria. So I'm um, not sure exactly when 600 BC is. So can we talk about what else was happening in the world around then? Okay, so we're talking 100 years before the Roman Republic was founded. Yeah, so you've got the uh, Babylon are still like the big empire. You've got the Hanging Gardens, I think, are built around this time. Yeah, Babylon was basically everything in the 
Western world. Yeah, then Nineveh was the mm-hmm. largest city. Uh, let's see. Buddhism was emerging in India. Oh, yeah. And uh, also in China, they just discovered iron and invented printing. At least that's according to Wikipedia. Yeah. So long time ago. Which wow, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> this is how the Native Americans, according to Mormons, got there. They built a boat because with God, all magic is possible. Well, right, and God told them how to build a boat in 600 BC because that makes total sense. You know what's funny is the thing that we argued about too at church was not like. Hey, how do you think they like did this when like steel wasn't really like a widespread thing and like wow, ocean faring boats really hard. The thing we discussed was like, do you think they went across the Pacific or the Atlantic Ocean? Cuz you know, most people think the Atlantic Ocean, but I think the Pacific. Right, we we like everyone thinks they landed in North America, but I think it was near Chile and then they moved to the, you know. Yeah, people... so there's a lot of theories. And let's be clear, there is not a single artifact in all of America uh, that would indicate that this is something that happened. But this is the story. We're going to tell you the story. So God tells them how to build a boat and then gives them ancient America as a land of their inheritance. He basically says, as long as you're righteous, this land is yours. You get to own it. It's all for you. But if you're not righteous, God's going to take it away and give it to someone else. You mean someone else like the pilgrims? <laughs> exactly. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're still in 600 BC. It's okay. The Book of Mormon is kind of like that. The ending gets spoiled in like the opening chapters because, you know, unlike biblical prophecies, Book of Mormon prophecies are very specific. I mean, way back in 600 BC, one of the characters of the Book of Mormon actually had a prophecy that their whole history would be brought forth in the future by some guy named Joseph. I mean, how uncanny is that? How did they know? <laughs> you know, it's funny because, and I will correct you, Dan, the Bible is also like that. In fact, a lot of scholars will date certain writings based on how accurate the prophecies are up to a certain point, and then afterwards, they're not. And uh, the Book of Mormon is the same way. It actually includes a shout out to Christopher Columbus, who would be led by God to discover the Americas. Like... <laughs> It actually talks about Christopher Columbus. Before there was Columbus, there was Lehi. And Lehi and his big family, they sail to America. And when they get there, they start fighting a lot. And they split into two main groups. So this family is way worse than yours. And there's a group called the Nephites. And those are the good guys. And there's a group called the Lamanites. And those are the bad guys. The reason they're called the Nephites and the Lamanites is because they're named after two brothers. You have Laman, the amazing oldest brother, and then you have <laughs> who's this, the bad yeah. guy. Well, yeah, but then there's Nephi, who the third. Okay, now the third strongest brother, who is most attractive to all the land, <laughs> to all the and land, and is. So Super annoying. <laughs> yeah, like it's written. But he's the fairest one of all. I've seen that. I've seen the paintings in all of the Mormon churches that paint Nephi as the most handsome and muscular for sure. 
Yes, I am. So that makes me Lemuel, the one they always forget? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Cool. But I'm just saying, the book was written from Nephi's point of view, and so it's a little bit skewed, but even though it's written from his point of view, it's clear he's annoying as hell. Like, (laughs) it's no wonder that the older brothers beat him up the first two well you're just giving me flashbacks to my mission please listen to my episode for further details (laughs) so yeah so they split up their descendants become two whole civilizations the nephites and the lamanites but we're not but we're forgetting the worst part about it so god is loves nephi and says yeah nephi you're the best thanks for being a goody two-shoe thank you you can stay white And then to the Lamanites, he says, hey, and to make sure that, you know, to punish the bad guys, the Lamanites, we're going to make their skin brown so that everybody knows that they're the bad guys. And so that the Nephites, the white people, won't want to marry them. Okay, this sounds too racist for me. I no longer want to be Nephi and the Nephites. I take it all back. (laughs) Rewind. It's so bad. Here it is. It's in the scriptures. And it's really bad. Yeah. Okay. So second Nephi chapter five, and he, meaning God, had caused the cursing to come upon them because of their iniquity. Wherefore, as they were white and exceedingly fair and delightsome, that they might not be enticing unto my people, the Lord God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. And thus saith the Lord God, I will cause that they shall be a loathsome unto thy people, and cursed shall be the seed of him that mixes with with their seed, for they shall be cursed even with the same cursing. And the Lord spake it, and it was done. And because of the cursing which was upon them, they did become an idle people, full of mischief and subtlety. Oh my God, this is so bad, guys. Yeah, it's really I bad. know they had been white and delightsome and all of that got taken away because of God. No, I can't believe that we believed this. It's, this is horrible. It's still it's still racist. I mean, with this institutionalized racism in Mormonism, it's not it's not surprising that it's still racist now. Mormons like still dress up in brown face for their Mormon videos. So they do like pageants and they have like these videos of the Book of Mormon and they're all these white actors that paint their face brown to look like Lamanites. So that they so that they're not enticing. <laughs> I, I I can't I can't. Even still in 2019? Yes. Um I mean this was when at least when I was in high school they had one, but I think they and, still have and pageants. And movies that come out. Now Though I think they are closing some of them. I will say it's not always brown face. Sometimes they cast Polynesian Mormons in those roles. (laughs) Yeah. I hope you can feel how uncomfortable we are talking about this. This is not easy for us to talk about because we grew up with this as totally normal. Um, just learning these stories, like their history. Like you heard that whole song we did about Book of Mormon stories. Like this was just, these were the stories we grew up hearing. And now as adults, we have a different understanding of what this means, but it makes us uncomfortable. And, and I think it should, I think, I think feeling uncomfortable is the right reaction. Okay. So it's time to get back to the Book of Mormon stories. 
And so somewhere in the middle of the book, Jesus is going to come down from heaven to visit the Americas. You literally just skipped like 600 years of history because guess what year he comes? Oh, like 33 BC or AD. AD. (laughs) There's a lot of wars. We skip over 100, 500 years of history of them fighting. And Jesus Christ drops down, does a death drop out of heaven to visit the Americas sometime (laughs) after his resurrection. So he he comes in and he basically just does exactly the same thing he did in the New Testament. Like they copy some of the same uh, sermons and voila. (laughs) Yes, which so like, for example. Almost word to word. Well, yeah, which so like, let's give an example. Um, you know how Jesus would give these metaphors that were specific to the people he was teaching? So in Jerusalem and Palestine, which was part of the Roman Empire, there was at the time of Christ, there was this rule that said that you had to support the Roman military and the soldiers. So if a soldier came up to you and asked you to carry his pack, there was, uh, you know, you had to carry it for a mile was the law. Well, Jesus gives this whole parable and he says, you know, if they ask you, don't just walk one mile, walk two, right? It's part of his like turn the other cheek kind of sermon. Well, guess what? In the Nephites, apparently, even though they had no idea who the Romans were, Jesus gave that same sermon to them with those exact same metaphors. Yeah. So they're also supposed to, they they also use miles, which is... The reason why we still use miles in the Americas today to honor the Nephites. Yeah, I don't think that's true. (laughs) So once he comes down, he tells everybody, you know, his doctrine of turn the other cheek and walk the extra mile and the Beatitudes and everything. The church is strong and everyone is peaceful and the society is perfect. And this goes on for several generations until eventually people start fighting again and they they divide into... Nephites and Lamanites once again. And the Lamanites kill off all the white people. Um, But one of the last Nephite is Mormon and his son Moroni, and they have just enough time. Who's also very strong. Yes, (laughs) in the paintings. And he better be, actually, because he's lugging around 200 pounds of gold plates that he is inscribing this whole book on. For, and buries it in New York so that Joseph can find it a millennial later. And that's how Native Americans were born. Happy Thanksgiving. It used to say at the beginning of the Book of Mormon that the American Native Americans, you know, the Book of Mormons tells the story of the Lamanites who were the principal ancestors of the Native Americans. But then once DNA... At, I think it said American Indians, actually. It did say American <laughs> Indians. You're right. <laughs> And then once DNA evidence proved that Native Americans came from Asia through like the Bering Strait, the church amended the intro. So they actually changed it to say that they were among the ancestors. Like, oh, you can't tell in the DNA because it's just a small little bit, which isn't consistent with what the Book of Mormon seems to say. This was how Joseph Smith was selling the book. I mean, he was presenting the Book of Mormon as um, answering a common question of his day. This is one of the lost tribes of Israel. This was a group of Israelites who left Jerusalem and came to ancient America 
and and were lost. Yeah, there there were a couple other books that also had a similar overarching theory. And it the theory is a little bit racist too, because as they were learning and hearing in like news of far off cities discovered and these huge mounds, I think if I'm gonna propose a theory, I think Joseph Smith thought there's no way that these Native Americans and forgive the use of the word, but like savages in his mind could have produced cities like that. It had to have been Jewish people, Israelites that were then later killed off. Well, and actually we you know, we keep describing Lehi and his family is Jewish. But if you read the Book of Mormon, they're not really Jewish. They're Christian. Like that, so that's one of the things about the Book of Mormon is that Lehi and his family apparently knew about Jesus 600 years prior. And call him Jesus Christ. They call him Jesus. They know that his mom is Mary, who is a virgin. They They have Christian teachings, like Nephi quotes New Testament prophets. Can I just say that I'm learning so much by being on this podcast every week because I don't know any of this stuff. And so thank you guys for teaching me all about it. (laughs) What other proof do you guys have that the Book of Mormon isn't true? Well, some of my favorites are um, the Book of Mormon talks about like animals and plants and, you know, weapons and swords and all this stuff. Right. And so we should be able to find that stuff, right? And the problem is, is it's it's not just that, oh, we can't find it. It's all these weapons and stuff and the animals and plants are stuff that didn't exist in pre-Columbian American. So like cattle and horses and sheep and swine and goats and elephants and wheat, steel, uh, uh, what are those chariots? <laughs> like all the stuff that, you know, there's no, there's no evidence of and the scientific community largely says, well, yeah, they didn't exist in the Americas before Columbus introduced them or, you know, after Columbia. I think even more damning is all of the stuff that was in ancient America, but that isn't in the Book of Mormon. If the Book of Mormon... Yeah, like, why don't they talk about bison? Or chocolate or, you know, they're always, they're so obsessed. Corn. Corn. Big one. Good job, Andrew. I did it. I got one. They're so obsessed with gold, but they don't talk about things like obsidian. Yeah. <laughs> if they're going to arrive in a new continent that is their new inheritance, aren't they going to want to explore and discover it? And if they do, aren't they going to discover things that are uniquely American? One of my favorite um, proofs about the Book of Mormon, or lack of proof of the Book of Mormon, has to do with Isaiah. So Nephi... Uh, when Nephi is like writing about um, his the their religion, he likes to quote the prophets, and his favorite prophet to quote is Isaiah. Well, the problem is the Book of Isaiah was actually written by more than one author, and so now you know contemporary biblical scholars can actually point to different periods of time when the Book of Isaiah was written. And some it covers of, like hundreds of years. Yeah. And some of the book of Isaiah was written after Lehi supposedly left Jerusalem and came to America. So the question is, how could Nephi quote something that hadn't been written yet and attribute it to the wrong author? Whoa. One of my favorite videos, and you should check him out on YouTube, is uh, 
Brother Jake defends the Book of Mormon. And he does a great job of defending the Book of Mormon and giving uh, some of these examples. So he defends it by not really defending it. He defends it, but in defending it, he shows all the things that are wrong with it. Yeah, it's a little bit tongue in cheek. Okay, that's enough. I think I get the picture. There's so many reasons why the Book of Mormon isn't historically accurate or true. But like any fairy tale, there are some good stories in there. What's your favorite? Oh, hard question, because I'm not sure if I remember all of them. But I did start the Book of Mormon a lot and then and then not get very far. So I do know First no Nephi, surprise. the beginning part. And so... Um, Your favorite story is the first story. Yeah. About the third brother. Exactly. It's all about Nephi and how he's the best one. His brothers were the real evil guys. That's okay. you guys. Yeah. So if I'm Layman and James is Lemuel here, I just have to say we had good reason to be mean to you yeah whining all the time goody two shoes you were just jealous because i was the favorite brother well one time you guys got mad at me and tied me up which was so mean oh come on you like being tied up (laughs) (laughs) well it didn't matter because i got power from god and was able to release the ropes and become free I stuck my hand out and sent lightning bolts from my hand into your souls to shock you. We were so shook, except for that happened a little bit later. You're like (laughs) skipping the parts where the angel came down and like got mad at us. Oh, yeah, yeah. So an angel came down and yelled at you. So when was the last time you read this story, Andrew? Years and years ago. It doesn't matter. But what is important is that the... Heavenly Father sent down angels to yell at my older brothers for being mean bullies. We did get rebuked. And then you got... You know, that wasn't the only time that Laman and Lemuel tied up Nephi. That's right. We had a hell of a party. So after you build this whole boat thing and we're going to America, we're sailing. And that's when Laman and Lemuel start sinning. Boat party! Having a fun time. We're drinking. I'm on a boat. And I say, stop sinning. You are sinners. But come on, Andrew. Have a little vodka. (laughs) Sip some warm vodka. And I say, I would never. (laughs) I would never have some warm vodka that's completely out of character. So then we tie Nephi up and, and then you use your favorite status to cause this huge storm to come. Yes, I pray to God, Heavenly Father, and he sends a storm upon you, and the boat's going crazy, and everyone thinks they're going to die. But I know that it's only because you guys are sinning. Why don't you just burst out of the ropes again like you did the last time, Andrew? (laughs) Well, I just want to teach you guys a lesson. I want you to say I'm sorry. So then eventually we have to apologize. Layman and Lemuel apologize and the, every, the boat stops and the storm stops and the boat keeps going. Yes. As soon as you untie me, I send a message up to God saying, thanks, God. Uh, you can stop the storm now. And uh, it works. And we get to land safely. Yep. You're welcome. <sighs> All right. Good story. I'm glad you remember some of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess uh, we'll, we're going in reverse order, so I'll, t- I'll tell mine next. I always like the uh, story of Ammon. So Ammon was a Nephite, 
and he was a missionary and he was going to try and convince the Lamanites to be good people. I remember this story because every missionary loved this story. I feel like on my mission, everyone was like, this is the best story ever. It's a, it's a fan favorite. Well, and obviously here's why. So he goes to the king. So Andrew, you can be the king. Yes. I'm king. Uh, Lamoni. <laughs> Lamoni. King Lamoni. King Labamba. <laughs> yep. That's me. <laughs> Bow down to your king. I'll be the, the Lamanite robbers. Arr. Oh, that's right. So those come in a little bit. So, all right. So, yeah. So actually, I do bow down. I say, oh, King Labamba, uh, please, uh, I want to just be your servant man. This isn't the cool part, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yes. You are my servant. Bow down well, to be, me. Because you have boy. ulterior motives. You're trying to convert all the Lamanites. Yeah, make I'm them a little sneaky. Mormons. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're trying to convert me. Hey, hey, La Bamba, can I take care of your pretty little horses? <laughs> yes, and they're actually unicorns now. I changed it. <laughs> okay. You can take care of my unicorns. <laughs> so I'm taking care of the unicorns, and then after that, I go watch the sheep, right? So I'm watching these sheep, which also don't exist in the Americas. Wait, so unicorns, horses, and sheep, none of them were in America? At this time. Not yeah. at the time the story takes place, but all three of them are in the story. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I'm a bad guy here. I am the Lamanite. I'm the Lamanite robbers. And I'm like, ooh, I like those unicorn sheep. So I'm going to steal them. And so I go in and I have my buddies scatter the unicorns and they all go running in different directions. And then I steal some in the chaos. Yeah. And so I say, oh, no way, not on my watch. And I take out Excalibur. It's this nice big steel sword. Which also didn't exist in ancient <laughs> America. But again, not important. Not not steel ones. <laughs> so then I uh, I run after the Lamanite robbers and I go, whoosh, 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 and I cut off all their arms. One single stroke. I get a pile of arms. Well, that's easy you to know, do with a sword, bam. right? Like, I mean, there's it's not like there's like bones or anything to cut through. <laughs> Also, this is like now a rated R movie. Like, oh. yeah, Qu- Quentin Tarantino's directing this one. I'm now walking around with no arms. This is a la Kill Bill <laughs> with like, you know, the blood squirting, pump, pumping out of everybody's arms. <laughs> and I just go back to the king and I say, hey, King Labamba, look at all these arms. I'm pretty cool, right? Want to join my religion? <laughs> and I say, of course, now that you cut off all these arms, you must be sent from heaven. And then we ride off on a unicorn to go tell your siblings. And everyone's baptized. Okay, well, my favorite story takes place before all your stories. So at the end of the Book of Mormon, there's like a flashback scene mm. where they discover these other ancient records about these other people who sailed to America. And so it's the story of the brother of Jared. So I'll be the brother of Jared. So one of you has to be Jared. I'll be Jared. That means you have no, that means you have no speaking parts. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't want to be Jared anymore. But also, why isn't the brother of Jared named? Is he like a woman or something? Women aren't named either. No, he is a manly man who just is referred to as the brother of Jared. It's kind of like how everybody knows you, Andrew, as my brother in high school. Like when you went to high school and everybody was like, oh, you're James's brother, right? That never happened. And I'm <laughs> And this story takes place at the time of the Tower of Babel. Which is a real thing. 
Yes, that's a real thing that happened in the Bible. A real fake thing that happened in the Bible. (laughs) Andrew can be the finger of God then. They're building this tower to get to heaven. And God doesn't like this because he thinks it's cheating. So he tears down the tower and changes everybody's language so that nobody can talk to each other. And that is how languages were born. And one of the people who's uh, was was while the languages was being confounded was this guy named the brother of Jared. And he says, oh, God, please don't change my language. I want to keep it. Wait, I'm God. So what am I supposed to say? Okay, cool. You can keep your language, bro. Okay, I guess you can keep the language. I allow you to. Okay, but there's this condition. Yes, I have a condition for you. <laughs> you, you know what it is, right, Andrew? <laughs> this is at the end, so Andrew doesn't know it. <laughs> you tell me that I have to leave and take my family to ancient America. Oh, yes. I will let you keep the language that you would like to keep if you leave this place and sail all the way to the Americas. Oh, but how am I going to get there? Easy. You need to be tight as a dish and build boats that are tight as a dish. Except for God doesn't actually say that. God says, go figure it out yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go figure it out yourself. (laughs) So I build these awesome little boat things. They're more like submarines. They're shaped like a dish and they're tight like a dish so they don't leak. They've got a hole on the bottom and on the top to let air in and out on either side because they can be flipped in the water you know like they're just supposed to go in the water and they're just supposed to like the the tide is supposed to take them so they're these little wooden containers and to keep so when it's uh, when the when the one side is on the bottom we plug the hole with a cork but then if a wave comes and flips us over we have to real quick plug the other hole with a cork and let and open up the top so we can breathe. And uh, me, the the sheep unicorn, the sh- sheepicorn, <laughs> has to just flip <laughs> upside down <laughs> over and over again because they're bringing they're bringing they're supposed to bring. It's a little bit like Noah's Ark where they're bringing like two of every animal, you know, with them, like all the sheep and the cattle and some elephants and stuff. And so they're flipping the unicorns. We're we're flipping upside down <laughs> every time the boat turns. So we take our family and our animals and we get in these boats and it's like, well, how are we going to steer? And the brother of Jared's like, don't worry about it. God will just blow a little wind and we'll we'll sail in the right direction. Blow me. <laughs> blow me, God. Blow me. I will not blow you. I will set you in the right direction, though. This is clearly not an ideal setup in these uh, submarines made out of wood. And we're talking about, this is like at least 2,000 years BC. So we thought building a transatlantic boat in 600 BC was bad. We're now like talking about like the pyramids. Like this is ancient stuff. And they're in these boats for like 324 days, I think it says. It gives like an exact day. I forget what it is, but it's over 300. Like any good fairy tale, you need to have real specific details to show how realistic it is. What I love about the story is that the brother of Jared, he's not concerned about the boat going in the wrong direction or being smashed up against the rocks. Fresh water, animal shit. No, he's not worried about all of that. What he's worried about is how are we going to see? 
it's going to be pitch black in there. And we can't, and we don't have windows. He says we can't make windows because glass will shatter. <laughs> well, also, what's really funny is that glass would not be invented for like right. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after that. But yes. Okay. So what's the solution? That's easy. I will tell you. Nope. I am... Okay. Nope. <laughs> Maybe I should have been God. <laughs> God is God is like you'll you're a smart guy. You figure it oh, out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you are a smart guy. What would you do in order for you to have light? So the brother of Jared is a lot like me. He loves magic rocks. Like good old stones that are pretty. And I take them up to the mountain. And I'm like, hey, God, if you touch them, then they will glow because you're magic. And then they'll be like light bulbs and I'll have light. Yes, I am magic. And yes, I will touch them with a single finger. And that single finger you will see because I trust you. And I touch one of these, all these stones and they are magically right forever and ever and they glow but i'm like (gasps) and i'm terrified why are you so scared because god has some great nails (gasps) i didn't know you had an actual finger but of course i have a body a flesh and bone body adi adi yes a body adi adi Obviously, just like Joseph Smith will later see. (laughs) And then I'm even more shocked because God shows me his rock hard abs. I do have rock hard abs. Yes, I do. And uh, yeah, that's basically the end of the story. They go in, they go in the barges and it's all good because they can see because of the magical glowing rocks. And the unicorn sheep get tossed and turned, but they're still okay. And they make it to the other side. Yes, and then for hundreds and hundreds of years, all of these animals live on ancient America, but they never leave a single skeleton behind. So some pretty good stories. I think we made them a little better. (laughs) We should rewrite the Book of Mormon. Three brothers crossing the Bering Strait. I want to wish everyone listening a happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you are having the most grateful, wonderful time. And I just want to send you out a reminder. Remember, remember, my sons, of the original pilgrims. Were were your sons now? (laughs) Remember, Remember the original natives, Nephi, Laman, and Lemuel, the three brothers and the brother of Jared (laughs) and also remember the Mormon raised brothers and how much fun you have with us and then tell all your friends that they can have fun with us too by subscribing on Spotify or Apple podcast or wherever you stream your content in the the name name of of American American unicorn Unicorn sheep. sheep, amen. Amen. Follow us on Instagram at Mormon raised podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. The music in this episode is Anthem for the Good Life by Young Presidents, courtesy Shutterstock, Inc.